You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are actually on our third installment of this series entitled Word View. We are on week three, as I said, uh, talking about uh, the scriptures, talking about the Word of God. And I do pray that you are more and more in love with uh, your Bibles. Uh, we are continuing to just uh, inculcate, not only in our own family, me and my wife are just uh, pouring out and inspiring our children to love the Word of God. But you know, even as pastors, we are hoping and praying that every one of our uh, member in our congregations would actually go and uh, not just listen to the Word of God, but go and read and meditate and have a devotion of, of the Word of God. And so we have been talking about uh, worldview, that all of us have our particular way of viewing uh, the world. We have our own perspective uh, in viewing the world. Uh, you have been raised up in a certain uh, environment, uh, certain uh, mindsets that you have uh, taken on. But when you talk about the Word of God, when you look at the world from the point of view of the Word, how many of you know that that is a more stable view? And that is a more, more stable uh, a method or way of living or lifestyle. And so we also pointed out um, uh, last week that a wrong worldview will lead us to a wrong worldview. In other words, uh, every time you look at the world and you are not aligned in the Word of God, you'll always make a mistake. In fact, the Apostle Paul took the time to encourage the Romans when he wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed. To this world. In the, in the NIV uh, version, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's a certain uh, perspective, there's a certain worldview that this world is actually offering. But he said, and he continued, he said, but be transformed. Everybody say, be transformed. Be transformed by the what? By the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, which is what? Good acceptable and perfect. In the NIV, it says good, pleasing, and perfect. By engaging with the Word, we know that we are continuing to align with the Word of God. And His Word and His will actually is only found and revealed in the Word of God. You know, as you pray for the will of God this year, this new year, 2018, I believe that many of us are asking the Lord, Lord, what's next for me? You know, for you single people, you're probably asking the Lord, Lord, uh, is this the year? That I have a new job, something like that, okay? Or is this the year for those of you who are newly married? This is the year to start a family or to start having children or, or so on and so forth. And so we're asking the Lord, Lord, what is your will? Okay, and there are, there are what you call general will and there are specific will of God. When you talk about the specific will of God, God speaks to us. Clearly and specifically, God's will for my family may not necessarily be the same as His will for yours. But His general will is the same for all of us. And that is found in the Word of God. His Word reflects the very heart of God. God's mission is found in His Word. God's passion for the world is found in His Word. His love for all of us. The Bible says, God so loved the what? The world that He gave His only Son. We, we see that. We find that. His very heart is always revealed in God's Word. It is impossible to know God apart from His written Word. And so we take the time to study uh, the Word of God. 
We read the Word. As I said last week, you know, as a pastor, I study the Word uh, meticulously and carefully so that I may preach, uh, you know, carefully the written Word of God. But I read the Word and I have devotion on the Word, not because I am a pastor, but because I am a Christian. And I do hope that you will distinguish that. You know, yes, part of our vocation is studying the Word, but I read the Word and I enjoy the Word and I meditate on the Word, not because I am a pastor, but simply because I am a Christian and I am a believer and I want to know God more through His written Word. Today, we're going to be looking at authority. Everybody say authority. So this is a bit theological, but we're going to make it a little bit also practical, how we can apply this in our daily life. Okay, the authority or the inspiration of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete. Everybody say complete. Equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the authority of your scriptures. We thank you, Lord God, that every word that is found in this Bible has been breathed uh, by the very mouth and the very word of God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have, uh, Lord, given us this, not only this love letter, or this manual for living, but this is your uh, book for your purpose for us, humanity. We thank you, Lord God, that you have revealed your will through your written word. We ask that you would continue to allow us to have a deeper love and affection for the word of God on a daily basis. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're continuing on our journey on studying the importance of studying scripture, the importance of us you know, studying and, you know, meditating and looking at Scripture. And, you know, um, in Acts chapter 17, you would notice that one of the cities that the Apostle Paul was ministering to was called the Bereans. And whenever the, the Apostle Paul was teaching, the Bereans would not just accept uh, readily what he is saying. They would actually go back to the Scripture and verify if what the Apostle Paul was saying it was true. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that the Bereans were of noble character because they don't just, you know, swallow what the Apostle Paul is saying, but they are verifying and studying the scriptures themselves. And so I enjoin you, uh, Victory Alabang, Akasha Congregation, be of noble character. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are of noble character. Okay, and how do you do that? By studying the scripture. And I know that Sunday in, Sunday out, you listen to your pastors, you probably listen to podcasts uh, on your free time as well, but go ahead and verify and study and open the scriptures and find out the veracity and the truth of what we are talking about. And I believe that as you do that, you will, you know, more and more fall in love with God. And with this word, before the year ended in, on December 31st, uh, we had a service here. We took a short break, me and my family, and we took a plane ride to, to go where we were heading. And as we were uh, 30,000 feet uh, in the air, I was looking at the window and I saw the sunset. 
And I took this photo of this sun going down. This is the last sunset of 2017. In the air, 30,000 feet up there. And I was witnessing this sun go down before my very eyes. And I kind of felt romantic with God. You know how it is. I said, God, you are amazing. Thank you for showing me this, you know, not really phenomenon, but you know, I see sunset every day. But it's rare that you see the final sunset of the year up there in the air. So that was amazing. But then I realized what's also amazing was the fact that we are in the air. That we are riding a plane. How many of you have ridden a plane before? How many of you took, uh, whatever, Pile, Cebu Pacific, Air Asia, Sing Air? You know, please uh, raise up your hand. You've ridden a plane. How many of you have enjoyed that experience? How many of you love riding planes? You love riding planes, right? You know, we, I, I, I like to ride the plane because it brings us from point A to point B on a faster basis. Uh, but... You know, sometimes when I turn on the Nat Geo, I watch some shows like Air Crash Investigation, something like that. And, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it puts a little bit of, hmm, is it safe? You know, and what they're saying is according to statistics, it's still the safest way to travel uh, flying through a plane. There are more accidents on the road via the car or motorcycle versus planes, okay? But... What's interesting is, as I was thinking, you know, every time we ride the plane, we don't even ask ourselves, you know, did the mechanic check the brakes? Did they really put on enough gas to reach the destination? Did this company really make this plane excellently and that every nut and bolt in every part of this plane, you know, would actually uh, be okay? Are the pilots uh, you know, equipped or competent enough to, uh, to, to, to bring us from point A to point B. Hindi ba sila puyat? You know, are they okay? Are they not drunk or something like that? So, so how many of you have asked those kinds of questions? You know, many times I don't even ask that question anymore. I just knew that when I board the plane by faith, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go from point A to point B. As a man and not as a spirit. Amen. <laughs> and so, this particular example actually is maybe a, a question that points us to the reason why we believe what we believe. You know, why do I believe that I'm going to reach my destination safely just because I have paid my ticket and I know that I have a boarding pass? I know it's by faith. But maybe because I've ridden a plane for many, many times and I used to I arrived there in one piece. And when you talk about the Bible, when you talk about the Word of God, why do you believe what you believe? How many of you believe in the Word of God? Please raise your hand. How many of you believe in the Bible? Now, how many of you believe everything that is written in the Bible? And, you know, that is really important for us to be convinced about this morning because everything that is in the Word of God has been inspired by God Himself. And that's exactly what we have read earlier, that all Scripture, everybody say all Scripture, all the Scripture, all the verses, even that exclamation point, or even that, you know, that, well, the numbers have been added by publishers 
But when they were writing it thousands of years ago, they were writing it as, you know, uh, as a straight narrative, if it's a narrative or a poetry, if it's a poetry without any numbers or chapters or verses. We know that this word is actually inspired every bit of it. We're going to talk about the authority of God's word. Why, you know, when you talk about authority, we submit ourselves to the authority. You obey the authority. How many of you normally obey traffic laws? Normally, okay? <laughs> Praise God, okay? We are expected to obey traffic laws, right? Red means stop. Green means go. Yellow means go anyway. No, no, not go anyway, but ready to, ready to stop, something like that. And so we have authority because we knew that if there's a cop who will flag us down, they'll get our license and we have to pay the ticket. We obey authority because it's a way of us having peace and order. In our home, there are authority uh, figures as well. Daddy is the head. Mom is the neck that turns the head around. No, no, just kidding, okay? Mom has authority as well, okay? Over the children, you know, I, you know, from time to time, we would ask our children, okay, uh, Anna, tell your sister Andrea to take a bath already. Okay, so when Anna would go to Andrea's room and uh, she would tell plainly, Andrea, take a bath. Guess what Andrea will do? She will ignore her sister. But the moment Anna will use these two words, mom said... How many of you know that those are two powerful statements? And it reflects authority. And when they say mom said, yes, dear. No, 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 just kidding. Right? But mom said or dad said, if we know who is in charge, then people follow and people obey. Right? I do hope that you understand. You know, when, when Judge Lisa was standing here earlier, I felt like I was in a courtroom. You know, there's so much authority right here on the stage. I'm just kidding. You know, but every time you speak, there's so much authority. There's so much power. And you're just talking about the Bible. You're just talking about giving and tithes and offerings. And yet, there's so much there coming from that office of a judge. <laughs> Being translated on a Sunday service. But what about the scriptures? Where does the Bible get its authority? In fact, when you talk about authority, authority comes from this root word, author. Who wrote it? Where did it come from? In other words, who said it? Whose words are in this book? Wayne Grudem, in his book, Systematic Theology, this is a rather thick book. Nice to read on your bedtime. And he said, the authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are what? Are God's Word. What he's saying is all. Everybody say all. All the words in Scripture are God's Word in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any of the Scripture is to what? To disbelieve or disobey God. In other words, what he says is who he is. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He and His Word are inseparable. 
He is the one who authored the Bible. In fact, our, no, our movement is known as Every Nation. We're called Victory here locally in the Philippines, but when you go outside and attend our different uh, churches in different uh, continents, some of them are named Every Nation, but our movement is known as Every Nation. And part of our statement of faith as a movement is this. We believe in the Holy Scriptures as originally given by God, divinely inspired, infallible, entirely trustworthy, and the supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. In fact, this has far greater authority than any man who is leading our movement. It has a higher authority over Pastor Steve. Amen? He is not our Monsignor or Pope, okay? Pastor Steve's words are not infallible compared to the Word of God. Pastor June, who happens to be the Asia Leadership Team Director, is also not infallible. The pastor's words here, we are not infallible. Only the Word of God is up there, ruling and reigning and have authority over our lives. Amen. In fact, we dare not control your lives. And this is the beginning of cults. The moment that you listen to a certain person over and above the Word of God, and you can't question anyone, that is so dangerous. Amen? We submit ourselves to the authority of the written Word of God. That is the final authority of our conduct and our faith and our beliefs. Not our traditions, not our liturgy. Things can change. We have people movements. Yes, we plant churches. We expand globally. But the ultimate standard that we follow is the Word of God, the Bible. Amen. So let's go ahead and look at what we have read. Three parts. All Scripture is powerful. Everybody say, all Scripture is powerful. Then we're going to be looking at all Scripture is profitable. And then all Scripture is uh, purposeful. We have read earlier in verse 16 that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and so on and so forth. It says here, all Scripture has been breathed out or inspired by the Word of God. When you talk about breathed out, it comes from a Greek word, inspired by God. Literally to be spoken by God Himself. Now, how many of you love to talk? Please raise your hand. You know, you, or you normally talk, okay, when you are communicating, okay? How many of you know that when you talk, you're breathing out? Have you tried talking, breathing in? You're amazing if you can do that, okay? You know, and when you talk, you know, if you are talking to a person who really loves to talk and who does not want to stop, just wait for that pause. The moment that he breathes, go ahead and talk already, okay? That's how you converse, okay? If there's a person who's just constantly talking and talking without any pause, the moment he breathes, go ahead and butt in. That's your chance. That's the nature of conversation. The nature of our sharing words or speaking is that you breathe out. And exactly, that's exactly what's, what it means that when God inspired this written word, that He was the one who actually spoke this word. 
in the beginning, God said, okay, let there be light. And then there was light. He breathed out. He said, let there be light. Now, don't talk like that to your spouse, okay? Make sure you brush your teeth first, okay? So, that's what inspiration is all about. God breathing uh, the word of God and inspiring. He's the author of it. He was, he was the one who spoke it. In fact, it's the same uh, way when he formed man, when he breathed life into Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. How many of you know that even after God formed man, he is just like the animals? Yes, he may move. Yes, he may eat. But without the Lord breathing life into his lungs, he will just be like the other animals. But what's interesting is God breathed into his nostrils the what? The breath of life and man became a living creature. We have been made in the image and likeness of God. Imago Dei. You are just like the Lord. Amen. You are made in His image. Don't ever believe that you came from monkeys. Amen. We did not originate from a little protozoan cell and eventually became an ape or a chimpanzee and became a human being. We were made by God in His image and He breathed life into us. The Word is divinely inspired. Everybody say divinely inspired. Four words we find in the text that we have read. Breathed out by God. This comes from the Greek word theopnestos, which literally means God breathing or breathe out. And what's interesting here is not just the ability for God to pass on this message, but what we're looking here is really the origin, the source of where this word came from. The reason why you and I can actually put our lives on this particular word is because it's divinely inspired. And excuse me for the term, we can bet our life on it. I'm not a gambler, okay? In fact, yesterday I was in a wedding and I asked the Bible bearer to hand me the, the Bible and I just said to the congregation, this marriage and this ceremony will be based on the eternal word of God. And that's exactly what we say every time we you know, marry a couple that your marriage, your family should be based on the Word of God. You're, you're to raise up your children in accordance to the Word of God because we are so confident that we can bank on to the veracity, the truth of the Word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Having the first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, for no prophecy or writing was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke. Everybody say men spoke. Men spoke from God or on behalf of God as they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. This, the picture of this being carried alone is just riding a boat, like a man riding a boat, and he's letting go of his sail, and the wind is the one that actually pushes this boat to go on a certain direction. Yes, sometimes you would hear uh, arguments of people, you know, well, the Bible is just written by man and, you know, it can make mistakes. But yes, you know, yes, it was actually 
man who wrote it physically, but it was God who inspired them what to write. Amen. You know, when John was writing, For God so loved the world, he had no choice but to write every part of that letter. Amen. It was the Holy Spirit carrying it through through him. How many of you are writing right now and you have a pen? You're probably, you have probably maybe a Parker pen or a, you know, pilot pen or whatever pen you have, okay? Or a Bic or, you know, Mongol, okay? You know, can your pen say or to your notebook, I was the one who wrote the notes that Pastor Ayer was saying in that message? Can pilot or can Bic or can Mongol say, I was the one who wrote it and I am the one who was inspired to write every verse. Guess what? Your bullpen did not write it. Who wrote it? You wrote it. In the same way, the writers, the men, were just instruments by God, and God was the ultimate author of this book. Amen. Divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. The word is true. Everybody say, it's true. It can see the future, but it can also shape the future. In fact, there are 332 distinct Old Testament prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ, about His coming and about His humanity and about His sacrifice on that cross. How many of you know that that is a lot of prophecies? And every one of those prophecies was fulfilled. Every one of those. Not one fell to the ground and did not happen. Every one of those prophetic words coming from Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the other prophets came to pass. But can you imagine if we for a moment, there's one mathematician who was trying to compute the odds and the probability of this. I don't want to bore you with this, okay? But just listen. I have a point here. The probability of one man having at just eight prophecies being fulfilled. We're talking about Jesus. 330 plus prophecies fulfilled in Christ. This mathematician is saying if there's just eight prophecies, to be fulfilled for just one man. You know the odds and the probability? It's 100 quadrillion or one in 100,000 trillion. In other words, one with 17 zeros after that. Maybe some of us are checking out or tuning out. Okay? Let me just make it as a you know, better illustration. I don't know if you're familiar with the Philippine map. Okay? The Philippine map, they're saying that we have 7,100. Now they've discovered 500 islands more. So we're about 7,600 islands, okay? Can you imagine? The Philippine map has 300,000 square kilometer uh, area, okay? Try to fill it with one peso coins, okay? How many of you are familiar with one peso coins? With all the islands, put one peso coins and don't just stop there, put so much one peso coin that it will actually reach about two feet in depth. Can you imagine with me right now? Multiply that by two. So you're talking about 600,000 square kilometers here, okay? Now here's the probability here. What you're saying is you will ride an airplane and you will ask the pilot to drop one gold coin anywhere in the Philippines, by his free choice, just drop that gold coin. 
And then you will tell, and you're blindfolded, and then you will tell the pilot, okay, drive me around whichever area I say, whether it's in Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, Palawan, Babuyan Islands, or whatever. And then just with one chance, I will do a bungee jump from the plane. And with one swoop, I will be able to catch that one gold coin. That is what that means. 100 or something like that. Quadrillion or something like that. Okay, One in that. And yet Jesus fulfilled 332 prophecies with his life, his death, his resurrection. The Bible is the book of all books. Jesus is the king of all kings. Amen. When you talk about the Bible, the Bible actually is, you know, you're familiar with that. You've got 66 books there. You've got 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. It was written by about 40 different authors from about 1,600 year span from three continents, three different languages. And what are the odds that 40 authors would actually be able to write in a consistent manner without even having any inconsistency and any error. Can you imagine if I ask for volunteers here for 40 people and I will put you in a room, actually in 40 different rooms here in the hotel, and I would ask you to write anything that you feel like writing and then come down here and let's compare notes. How many of you know that they will, you know, some will write about sailing, some will write about, I don't know, uh, gardening, some will write about cooking. They will all write different things but the writers in the Bible wrote just about one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we give the Lord praise for that? The Bible is the book of all books. Human authors, Moses, who's a prince, Joshua, a military man, David, a king, Peter, a fisherman, Matthew, who works for the BIR, Esther, a queen, Ruth, who was a peasant, you know, Paul, who was a Christian killer in the, in the beginning stage of his, of his life before he was converted to Christianity, and so on and so forth. Different authors, different kinds of people, and yet they wrote about the same thing. The Bible is unique also in transmission, that God was the one who made sure that it's transmitted from that era to our era right now. All Scripture is powerful. Amen. It has a power to save lives. It has a power to change you, it has the power to change the hardest of human hearts. Amen. It is powerful because it is not spoken by man, it's spoken by God. Secondly, all scripture is profitable. Everybody say profitable. You know, when you talk about profitable, it means that it's profitable. There's benefits. There's a gain. It's transformational. There's, there's power behind it. You know, we like doing things that gives us value. Amen. You don't like doing things and wasting, you know, just your time doing something that is not worth doing it. When you spend time with a vacation with family, how many of you know that is profitable? That's valuable. When you go to the gym, okay, that's profitable, okay? When you exercise, that's profitable. Yesterday, we were in a wedding, as I mentioned, and the couple actually happens to be... Uh, member of our congregation here at the Akasha Hotel. And uh, he, or actually both of them, 
spoke to me about two years ago to reserve the date, which was yesterday. And so they, it, it was not just booked two months ago, it was booked like two years ago. How many of you know that is what you call planning, okay? So, so anyway, since it was two years ago, I said yes. I said, okay, it's going to be in 2018, and that was just 2016. I said, okay, without even thinking. And I didn't realize that it's the birthday of my daughter. Because it was like two years ago. Okay, and so we were there yesterday. We, I officiated the wedding. But they kind of knew that I told them uh, that it's the birthday of my daughter. As we were sitting down, as we were planning for the wedding, I said, it's Bea's birthday. And, um, you know, we, maybe we might have a dinner uh, that night. So just give allowance for me to either attend the banquet or maybe not. Okay, and so that was in Silangkavite, okay, near Tagaytay. And so we had to travel there. And after the wedding, while the couple's taking the picture and the guests are just waiting on their tables, me and Shirley are making a decision. Should we go or should we stay? And so part of us is a bit embarrassed because they put us in VIP one table, which is actually right across the couple. And we are beside the former mayor of Montinlupa. And so, okay, um, talk about value. But yet, as, as they were, and they knew for a fact that we, you know, celebrating the birthday. And so what we did was we made a decision that we're going to come home and spend time with our daughter. Profitable. Okay? We maximized our time there. I was able to give my time and officiate the wedding and pray for them. But at the same time, I also want to maximize my time with my 26-year-old daughter, uh, Bea, who's not really requiring us to come home. In fact, what she's saying is, it's okay, Dad. You know, we can just have dinner tomorrow, which is today. It's okay. I said, it's not okay. You're my firstborn. I want to spend time with you. And so that's why I had to make a decision because I put value in that. And in my coming home, that was like profitable for me. So it's an illustration for us that many times we view the world with values. And I believe that when you talk about the Word of God, how many of you know that the Word of God is so much valuable for us that it is profitable for our daily living? In Tagalog, hindi yan basta-basta. Hindi yan just-just. That is so important that you've got to put that as a first priority in your week or in your daily life. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. The Word of God shapes us and molds us. First is, it teaches us. It's profitable for teaching. It teaches us who God is. It teaches us how to live our lives. It teaches us how to treat our wives or our husbands. It teaches, it teaches us how to raise up our children in the ways of God and so on and so on. It teaches us how to, you know, do a, you know, good business. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And I believe that all of us would like to have peace and long life. Let the Word of God teach us on a daily basis. Proverbs 9.9 says, Instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, he will add to his learning. 
We add on to our learning. We don't stop learning. And I believe the Bible is a tool for that. It is also a is profitable uh, for reproof. It convicts us of our wrong thoughts and ways. Reminds us if we are in error on how we keep our relationship. Many times we try to change our spouse. How many of you try doing that? Don't even raise your hand. Okay, you're saying so many things. You know, you're trying to change the attitude. Guess what? Just pray that he reads the word. And the word of God will change him and convict him. Amen. That is the best method. And every time I read the word, even without my wife telling me, I realize how proud I am and how impatient I am. And the word of God is the one that tells me, ah, you got to change. The word of God is like a mirror for us. And it gives us correction or a proof in the way we live our lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. It's breathed out by God. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's there to convict, to change. Change your mindset, your worldview. It's useful for correction as well. Correction involves confronting things that need to change in our lives. How many of you have some things that you want to be changed in your life? Can you please raise your hand? I think that's all of us. Maybe our attitude, our ways, maybe issues of the heart, unforgiveness, impatience, pride, lust, so on and so forth. The Word of God is there to give us direction and manual for living. For training is the last it is profitable for training. The word here is paideia, and it's generally used the same way as raising up or training a child. It's like child training. The Word of God is training us. And we use the word training many times in athletics. You know, when you train for triathlon or when you train for running, I remember Pastor Ferdy, when he was training to run across the Philippines two years ago, he is unstoppable. I mean, he would run every day and he would run long distance every week, uh, weekends. And for him, 10, 10 kilometers is just a quick walk. I said, wow, that is Pastor Ferdy. And so two years ago, that's why he was able to finish um, 50 kilometers for almost 50 days when he turned 50. That's about total of 2,400 plus kilometers from Mindanao to Apari. And it's because of training. Amen. And the reason why we read the Bible is because we are also being trained. You and I, whether you are aware of it or not, you are in a war. You, you know, and the Bible somehow um, illustrates us as a farmer, as an athlete, and as a soldier. And the third and my final point is all Scripture is purposeful. Ever say purposeful. It has a purpose. And what is the purpose? We find that in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We're not just reading the Bible just for information's sake or just so that we can actually have knowledge who God is and have the proper theology. But I believe the reason why we are reading the Bible is because God wants us to be equipped in doing every good work. Amen. 
God called you and me to go and do good works, to preach the gospel, to expand His kingdom, to actually share His love, and to do whatever it is that God wants us to do in our daily living. To treat others with respect, to love your wife, to love your husband, and so on and so forth. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word has all the authority and the power we need for life and godliness. The word of God is relevant. The word of God is not just applicable on Sundays. The word of God is applicable from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, until Sunday, and everything else in between. Amen. It's as application in your life, in your work, in your family, in your marriage, in your school, your students. Guess what? The word of God can inspire you to study. It can inspire you for direction and so on and so forth. There's a small town attorney, Thomas Cooper, who found himself in the ICU. He woke up in the ICU and he was... He couldn't remember what happened to him. The last thing he was trying to recall was he was riding a plane with his friends. And uh, it was a small biplane in a small strip there in their town. And as they were about to land, the plane actually caught a uh, telephone wire. And it actually threw them. And uh, it swung. And, you know, they actually had a, a plane crash. And his wife was with him. And both of them were in the I see you. That was the last thing that he recalled. But somehow, as he was gaining his consciousness, he was remembering some words from the past. He was remembering, For God so loved the world. And he was remembering, Fear not, for I am with you. And he was remembering, uh, For nothing is impossible with God. And he was remembering, For my grace is sufficient for you. And he realized that he was not very religious. But yet these were the very verses that was taught him when he was attending Sunday school. In fact, those were the very memory verses that his Sunday school teacher named Mrs. Wolf was teaching him. And he's one of the worst students in that Sunday school because Mrs. Wolf would always give prizes to those who can memorize and he was the last one who wanted to memorize. But yet, what he didn't get when he was a young boy, those were seeds in his heart and those were planted deep in the recesses of his being. And these words, the memory verses, were not just empty words spoken to him by his teacher, they became his life and his inspiration to get out of that bed. He and his wife, Bobby, eventually got out and were healed from their broken bones and fractures. And they started committing their life to the Lord Jesus Christ once again. You know, when you talk about the scriptures in the Bible, you have to realize that every verse that we read, it's always planted deep in our hearts. Amen. That's the reason why we have taken the time to train our children in the kids' church. What they're doing out there is, is not babysitting. We appreciate our teachers because they fearfully teach them, guiding them the Word of God. We know that we are planting seeds of greatness in the hearts of these people, of these young kids. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now as we close our service? Father, we are grateful for what you are doing in our church. Thank you, Lord God, even for this series. Thank you, Lord God, for this ministry.
men and women, God, that as we desire to read the Word of God, help us to meditate and understand. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who inspired the writers to write this Bible that we are now holding. And we thank you that it's the same Holy Spirit who wrote it that teaches us how to live it. And I pray, God, that you would give us the ultimate desire to not just read the Word, but to obey it for our daily life. Bless everyone, Lord God.